0: Our text this morning is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Now, if you see on the slide, uh, the sermon was intended to go all the way through 10, but I'm having mercy on you, and I'm stopping at 7, okay? Uh, We'll we'll do the rest next week, and I think we can make that work. I'm trying to be finished with this, uh, you know, so we can do Christmas, be finished with Colossians before Christmas, but uh, uh, I'll make it work. We'll figure it out one way or the other. In 1988, Robert Fulgham released a best-selling book that was called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And maybe some of you remember that book. He listed some basic lessons in that book of things that he had learned as a small boy that were the lessons that he learned for life. Some of those things he mentioned were, you should share everything, you should play fair, don't hit people. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. That's a good one. Another great lesson he learned when he was a kid was to flush. I would, I would approve of that one. He said, be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why, but we're all kind of like that. He said goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even that little white seed in the white styrofoam cup. They will all die and so will we. And so he kind of wrote a book around those first lessons that we learn as children. I would add that there's something else we learn when we're we're very young. And that is how to tell the difference between the truth and a lie. I was listening to a podcast this week and Mark Dever made a comment about Western culture. And he said, speaking about social media and the things that seem to distract us and teach us and talk to us and shape us. And he said something I think is very true. He mentioned that we often allow people to reach into the most irrational parts of our minds and control us. And it's almost as though we change and we find ourselves changing from maybe who we used to be into who we are now. And we stop sometimes and look in the mirror and we see how blurry things have become. And we're not quite sure, what is this Christian life I'm living? What's happening to my heart? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. As we grow older and grow wiser, even as we grow in Christ, we become more and more susceptible to the original garden lies. What were the original lies in the garden? Number one, God is not telling you the truth. Number two, He's holding back information from you because He doesn't want you to be like Him and you can't trust Him. Well, we know those are lies, right? God is telling us the truth. He's not holding anything back from us. And He does want us to be like Him. And as believers in Jesus, we're bombarded with lies every single day. And those lies seize us, and they fill us with doubts about whether following Jesus and obeying Jesus is really the best way to live. Well, how do we combat that? In these verses, verses 6-10, through Paul is going to address both things. How should we live and how should we avoid being held captive by lies? So this week, how do we live? And next week, how do we avoid being held captive or taken captive by lies, by earthly philosophies that would pull us away from a true belief in Jesus Christ? This morning in our text, in these two verses, 6 and 7, we are encouraged to go back to born-again kindergarten, so to speak. As Baptist theologian A.T. Robertson summed it up, many many years ago as he was commenting on these verses he said colossians chapter 2 6 and 7 teaches us to stick to the first lessons in christ stick to the first lessons in christ when things get blurry when you're not sure what to do how to live what to believe go back to the first lessons in christ so verse 6 talks about receiving christ verse 7 talks about walking in christ So those are the two points for the sermon. Receiving Christ and walking in Christ. Verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 8, that we'll do next week, says, See to it, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Remember, Paul is concerned with these Christians. He's never met them. And these Christians were in danger of being thrown off course by false teaching that did not line up with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's message in this book has largely been focused on giving instructions, and then also telling these people how their response to the false teaching has made him rejoice. So he's saying, don't fall for it, don't fall for it, don't fall for it, but everything I'm hearing says you're not falling for it. And so I'm rejoicing that you're standing firm in your faith. So Paul has just said, I'm happy to hear the news that you are staying on course and that you are standing firm. So then in verse 6, he says the word, Therefore, And therefore, when you see that in the Bible, is always a transition. It marks one uh, thought, and and based upon that one thought, we're moving to the next thought, a a new section. And so Paul is saying, y'all are striving, y'all are reaching for Jesus, just as we talked about last week. And now he's saying, keep going, and keep going every step of the way. Sometimes we need to hear that, don't we? Sometimes we need to hear we've been striving and going and working for Jesus and we've been doing this for so long and sometimes it feels like we're doing this and nothing's happening, nothing's changing, Uh, we're getting no uh, uh, breakthrough, Uh, everything just seems the same. And sometimes that's the point, just keep going. Uh, Sometimes you're not going to see change for long periods of time, just keep going. And so Paul's telling him, don't stop, don't quit. And so he points them back in verse 6. He says, just as you received, and he says it interesting. He doesn't say Jesus Christ the Lord. He says, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Think back to when you received Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm looking out here at this full room, and we have a great group of people here today. And I know many of your stories. About how you came to Christ Jesus the Lord. For many of the younger ones in here, I was there when you received Christ Jesus the Lord, maybe at a VBS or a summer camp or in my office having a conversation with your parents. But think back to how you received Christ. Do you remember when you trusted in Jesus? Do you remember when you were baptized? How did you receive Jesus? What was the posture and the attitude of your heart when you came to Christ? What happens? And if you're not a Christian, you may be wondering, what happens when someone comes to Christ? What is he talking about? Well, for Christians, there's a moment in time when you receive what is being offered to you. All of us can point to a time when we received, or at least when we acknowledged, that we received what was being offered to us we heard the gospel and if you're like me you grew up in church you heard the gospels ever since you can remember but there was a point in time where i realized i believe this and i received what was being offered to me i heard the gospel and the gospel is the message of what god has done to bring sinners to himself This is what God is doing and the good news of the Gospel is that sinners, even though you're enemies with God, you can be forgiven by God and you can know eternal life. That's a basic way to think about the Gospel. Jesus had to come. He had to die on the cross because we were sinful. We had become rebellious uh, through our sin. We had become enemies and rebels against God. And so there's a moment in time where we receive what is offered to us. We learn that Jesus paid the price that we owed. We learned that Jesus received the punishment for our sins that we deserved. We learned that Jesus died in our place. We should have died the death, but Jesus died the death on our behalf. We learned that our sins had separated us from a holy God. And even worse, we learned in that moment that our sins had made us an enemy of God. And in a moment of clarity and conviction by the Holy Spirit, each of us who believe in Jesus Christ realized that our greatest need was peace with God. Our greatest need was acceptance by God. And so we bowed our heads. And when we bowed our heads, we showed that we were bowing our hearts. And we confessed our sinfulness to Jesus. We asked Jesus to save us. And we received the gift of eternal life by trusting that Jesus Christ is Lord. We trusted that Jesus had done everything that was necessary to deliver us from death to light, life, from darkness to light. Our text says, just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Never get over getting saved, right? You received Christ as the Messiah. That's what Christ means. You received Him as the Anointed One by God. You received Him as the Lord of all. You received Him as the King of the universe, as your Master, your Ruler, your Savior, as the ultimate authority. You received Jesus in faith. Not based upon your works or your own merit. You received Jesus in conviction, in humility, in tenderness, in wonder, and in awe. When you came to Christ, when you were baptized, many of you up here, some of you may be in the other auditorium, or maybe you were baptized in a church like ours. But when you went into those waters to tell everybody that your heart had been changed, you knew it was a turning point. Correct? So I'm asking you to remember what your mindset was then. Your life was no longer to be under your direction. Your life was under new management. New ownership. And so when we're thinking about that, if that was not your experience, you may not be a Christian. But if that was your experience, and we're thinking back to that time, just as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Are you walking in him the same way you received him? What it means to walk in him, what it means to be in Christ is a huge biblical concept. And you can spend much time studying what it means to be in Christ. But I think we all kind of understand what it means. I don't think it's as complicated as some people make it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, John makes it very easy to understand. He says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Being in Christ means that my life has been folded into the life of Christ. And the life Christ lives is the life or the life I live now is the life of Christ. So at at the very least, one who says he abides in him, whether he understands much else about what it means to be in Christ or not, theologically, he knows that to be in Christ means if he walks this way, I follow him. If he walks this way, I follow him. I ought to walk in the same way he walks and he walked. Walking is a normal way to get around. Walking is very normal, isn't it? When we see somebody running, we think, where are they going? But when we see people walking, we don't really think anything of it. It's normal. It's ordinary. It's just one step in front of the other, over and over and over, and consistently over and over and over again until we reach the destination. So in your normal life, that's the day-to-day life live like Jesus lived. How do we know we're living in Christ? How do we know we're walking in the way Jesus walked in our normal life? I read somewhere a a writer said, you can tell uh, what kind of life you're living in the normal, ordinary phase when you hit your thumb with a hammer. When you're squeezed like that, what comes out? What kind of attitude comes out will tell you whether your heart is walking after Jesus Christ or not. When we're squeezed, what comes out? I heard a man talking last week about the agenda of Jesus. He said, Jesus has an agenda. And when we walk in him, the agenda of Jesus is our agenda. Are you living out the Jesus agenda? Paul expounds on what this looks like in verse 7. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And then you can underline these words rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So here is a description of what it looks like to walk in Jesus Christ just as you received him. The first metaphor Paul uses is a metaphor of a tree. Are you rooted and built up in him? Are you rooted in him? Think of a tree. The roots go down into the soil. Paul says the soil is Christ. Rooted in him. Where are the roots of your tree planted? We don't water the leaves. The tree is nourished from the roots. It was an amazing thing when we did the wedding over in uh, San Jose. Is that where we were? San Jose, California. And they have some of the redwoods in a forest there in San Jose. I don't think they were the tallest ones in the world. But they were very tall. And what was interesting about looking at that redwood forest and those enormous trees was that as you beheld the trees from miles away, you could make out individual trees because that's how large the trees were. It was astounding to to, to see those trees from far off. And then it was more amazing to stand at the trunk of one of those giant trees. Three, Three people could not wrap their arms around those trunks. And you would look up and it just seemed like they stretched up into the heavens. Now, they say about those trees that their their roots will go up to 100 feet away from the trunk. They are rooted uh, so deeply into the soil there. And we are to be deeply rooted and nourished and planted in Christ. I want to be one to say my roots are in Christ and they go deep. Deep. So, I can draw nourishment from Jesus in my time of need. Are your roots drawing nourishment from Jesus, or are you planted somewhere else? Are you drawing nourishment from something else? Is Christ the source of your strength? Is He your hope? Is He what you're living for? Is He your all? Is is He the best, as our song said? Or are we looking to something else to satisfy? And we know there's true satisfaction nowhere else. True satisfaction is only in Christ. So we need to be rooted in Christ. And then he moves to a different metaphor where he talks about building. He says, next, we should be built up in Christ. Are you being built up in Christ? What happens when we see buildings being built? Well, they start with a firm foundation, don't they? Every building must start with the firm foundation. And then what do people do when they have the foundation? They begin to add to it. It's amazing to watch a house come together as things are added to that foundation. They add uh, the wooden studs. They frame the house. They add walls. They add the sheetrock. They add the electric. They add the plumbing. Then they put the bricks on, brick by brick, adding to the, the bricks that are there until they get to where they put the roof on and the house is completed. And then we have a building that's been built piece by piece, layer upon layer. We should be constantly uh, being built up and growing in Christ in that way. How does your house look? How does your tree look? Does a tree have roots going somewhere else rather than into the soil of Christ? Are our houses built up but they're not complete? We're not firmly established. Are we building our house on another foundation than the foundation of Christ? Have we just quit building altogether or are we being rooted and built up in him? As it says in verse seven, next, it says established in the faith, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith established means unshakable. It means confident. It means standing sure and standing secure. One of the marks of a Christian who's mature is a maturity in understanding the faith. Notice in verse 7, it doesn't say built up in Him and established in your faith. What does it say? It says established in the faith. Now when you see the faith, Referred to in scripture, it's talking about a body of something that you can understand. It's talking about a message. It's talking about uh, something that was delivered once for all to the saints. It's talking about the gospel, what we know about God, his characteristics and his attributes. It's really talking about doctrine and theology. Which is how we learn what God is like and what God has done. So when we are understanding the faith. Means we're maturing and growing in our understanding of the gospel. I've been a Christian for a long time, since I was eight years old. When I was eight years old, I did not understand a lot about doctrine, I did not understand a lot about the faith. I knew I needed Jesus, and I trusted in Jesus as a child, and I believed the gospel. But do you know that after 40 some odd years of studying the gospel, I still am amazed by it every time I learn about it? You're never going to exhaust the riches of even the basics. And then you can open up God's word and you can learn so much about who God is and what he's done. That's what the faith is, isn't it? Learning about the God, his character and attributes, the dangers of sin, uh, the, the necessity of the church. These are the things we are taught as we learn about who we believe in, who we are place, in whom we're placing our trust. And so we need to be established in the faith. That means we need to know the truth of what God's word teaches that's why teaching is so important, and how we approach learning is so important. Look at what he says there, being established in the faith just as you were taught. So that tells me that there's a, a way we can understand scripture, and the way, the way that we can properly understand scripture requires a teacher. Now, we know that the great teacher who shows us what Scripture means is the Holy Spirit. But God has gifted the church with teachers, is what we learn in his word. And we need to humbly put ourselves under proper and right teaching so that we can understand the faith so that we might be established by it, in it. And as people come to us and they have questions and they have concerns and they want answers, they want answers. We don't want to be people that are afraid to have a conversation about who God is and what he's done because we feel like we don't know. Well, let me take you to the preacher. Well, Paul's desires, they would be rooted, that they would be built up and they would be established in the faith, that they would be mature. This is why we learn God's word. And we should approach our walk with Christ and our maturity in Christ, even if we have a lot of knowledge. Even if we're built up and established in the faith, we need to have that same humility about it that led us to call out to the Lord for salvation. We cannot be prideful. We cannot be arrogant. We need to realize that there was a point in our life and remember the point in our life where we just received what was being offered to us because it was our only hope. And then all the growth and everything that God has done has been because of his mercy and grace, because we don't deserve any of it. And so God's will is that we would walk this way, rooted, built up, established. And finally, he says, abounding or overflowing in thanksgiving. Now, there's a way that a Christian sometimes can walk where that Christian seems to nearly resent everything that they're going through. We all find ourselves in that position sometimes, don't we? Or we approach everything with a negative attitude. We're taught here that to walk in Christ in the way that we received Christ requires us to abound in thanksgiving. Have we ever been more uh, thankful than when we heard the good news of the gospel and we realized what God has done for us? We realized where we were heading, and now we realize we're heading the other way. Have you ever been more thankful because you didn't do anything to earn or deserve that? That same gratitude we had when we came to Christ Jesus is the same gratitude we should walk the rest of our lives with. So there's a way we can walk in this world and resent everything that we're going through. Or we can walk in a way that demonstrates praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. John MacArthur in his commentary points out that our thanksgiving and praise complete the circle. The Lord has given us so much. The Lord has done so much for us. The Lord continues to do so much for us. And our hearts are made grateful. And the way that those blessings turn back to Him is whenever we say, Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. The bottom line is that maturing Christians are a grateful people. That's the kind of heart that walking in Christ produces. That's the kind of heart that one who's walking in Christ in the same way that they received him produces. It's a heart that's rooted and built up and established and it's abounding. That's what a walk with Christ looks like. That is to say that this is what it would look like if we say if it if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's a what? It's a duck. And these are the looking and quacking right here, right? You're looking and quacking when you're rooted and built up and established and abounding. This is how a Christian looks and quacks. I'm sure that sentence has never been preached before. (laughs) When I said it, I thought that sounds really weird, but I but I still would stand by it. I think it's true. Is that the Bible shows us here what it looks like to walk in Christ in the way that we've received him. So the question I'm I'm asking you to think back. Okay, I gotta stay here. Gotta stay here. I should have tied myself to the pulpit. Uh, I'm asking you think back to that time. Uh, Keith Green song. He says, "Lord, I remember that special way I vowed to serve you when it was brand new." I mean, can you think back to brand new, first love of Jesus, all those years ago? And you know, God hasn't become less amazing. God hasn't become less wonderful. The gospel is no less awe-inspiring than it was when you were a child and you believed it. But just as you've grown since you were a child, your faith needs to grow. The roots need to be going deeper. The house and the building needs to be growing taller. You need to be firm and more established in the faith. And our gratitude should grow. And you know, it's a difficult thing to to be the pastor and I had a a difficult week this week, just thinking about how to lead in times like this, when it seems like everybody is trying to find every reason not to be obedient and not to be faithful to the Lord and his word. Will we be faithful? Will we be a witness in our community? Or will we walk in a certain way where people will say, that's a weird duck. Look how that person's walking and quacking, right? And are we going to do that? Are we going to look just like the world? And I thought to myself, you know, Chad, you're just going to have to start saying what you actually think. That might mean half the room is is gone next week, or I don't know. But the truth is, we're either serious about this or we're not. When we hear the word of God, we're either going to believe it or you're going to reject it. And if you you can be baptized and you can be saved and you can still just say, well, I'm not going to believe that. But that's not what a Christian does. We should receive this word with gratitude and thanksgiving because that's what it means to walk in Christ. To think back to those special first days and to say, Lord, just as I received you, I want to live every day like that in total trust and total dependence, realizing that everything I have is from you and giving thanks, giving thanks to God. And listen, your life is going to go nowhere. You are going, you're not going to thrive and you're not going to flourish if you go looking for hope somewhere else. And it doesn't always seem exciting. And it certainly seems out of step with the culture, doesn't it? But this is, if we will receive it, this is the way we should walk. This is what it looks like this is the old time religion this is the only thing that works and god's been gracious to give it to us so my argument to you is you should be walking in christ in the same manner that you received him are you trusting fully in his grace this hour keep walking that way the giver of your salvation is the giver of everything else keep trusting Keep hoping. Keep moving. One step, one step, one step, one step, until we reach our destination together, and we are able to see God in all of his glory, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's all been worth it.